0: This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast, helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now here's Jay Glazer. Welcome in everybody to Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. And this podcast, it allows me to kind of run the gamut on guests, but it also allows me to bring my best friends on. So how cool is this? I get paid to talk to my best friends. And when I say best friends, I truly mean it in the case of this man. He and I became friends a long time ago. We've kind of had a similar journey as far as we didn't do it the conventional way. We did it different ways. But, man, when I tell you all that I have battle buddies, that I kind of lean into or reach out to when I'm having a bad day, and a lot of times they don't know that's why I'm reaching out, this is one of those guests. He is on every show on the Food Network. He is everybody's favorite restaurateur and chef. But he's also one of my favorite humans on the planet because I've leaned into him on many occasions. When he just thinks I'm calling for a laugh or he thinks I'm calling just to fuck around with him over something. But it's it's really for something a lot deeper than that. It is a one and only. God, Fieri. What has happened to my brother? Now, I'm calling you by your proper name because you fucking finally got my name right after 20 years of friendship.
2: Listen, Jay Glaze. Sure. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll tell you. It's funny that you say it that way, that you, uh, that you reference the friendship that way because we met right around this time. Yep. Super bowl and time. It's Super bowl. And I knew I could tell in five minutes whether or not I'm going to be friends with somebody and what level of friends will be. And I don't meet people as, as crazy as me very often. And you're crazier, yes. uh, fortunately. but now it's been a, uh, it's been a great friendship. And I think that, that it goes both ways in terms of uh needing support and, and uh, that shoulder and that confidence and that, you know, that buddy that's been through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if you haven't been through the good, the bad, and the ugly, I don't think you really have the, sometimes you don't really have the ability to understand sometimes the depth of issues that people are facing, but uh You've uh, you, you've done it for me. You've done it for everybody that I've known you to be. You know everybody that you've been around. Yeah. So,
0: well, Thank you me. know, it's interesting too. Like the two, of, we two of us met at the Dallas Super Bowl, whatever year that was. You know, fifteen, twenty years. It was something along those lines. We were doing a show on. We were, he was on the pregame show with Fox. But then I saw him out at a party. I think I was with the cast of Sons of Anarchy, and you wouldn't let me leave the party because you're like, dude. I've got to talk to you the way you've done your career. And I'm like, no, the way you're doing your career. And you and I, I think we're kind of at the same point. Like people are kind of like almost trying to figure us out at that time. We're two crazy men that we're just doing it different than everybody else. And people are almost trying to figure us both out.
2: I, I think that was it. Um, I don't know who is not letting who leave the party, but that's not getting the semantics <laughs> right now. Let's not, Or we can talk about you, me, Sean Payton, and Snoop Dogg in New Orleans. But- All
0: right. I want to hit your career. And, you know, people see what you are now. They have no, people have no idea how you started. And so I want to go back to the beginning. Like, how did you get even break into where you were, where you became a chef? Like tell, bring us back to the beginning. It's incredible. I, I like love the journey.
2: Just, uh, I like how you just dropped in break in, Jay. That's really nice. Cause I know what you're <laughs> going to end up telling people and that's not, I'm not going to, I'm, gonna, don't I'm don't not going to
0: talk about that. I'm not going to talk care. about you breaking into my house at four o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to do it. I, I just won't, that's, I won't do it. You, I won't do I'm it. not the one that lost the key. You am not be your assistant. That's your fault. You almost got me killed. I didn't almost get you killed. You decided to be Batman and scale my house twenty feet and break into my house. And I didn't forget my key. Otherwise, I forgot we're going the code. To sleep outside. Otherwise,
2: for- we're sleeping outside. Anyhow, I forgot my key. were going to but do this. anyway. Go ahead. Knew- <laughs> I knew I was getting drugged in this. Let's talk about something <laughs> positive. So anyhow, uh, I grew up in Northern California. Have you ever saw the movie Outbreak with um, Dustin Hoffman? That's a little town that I was raised in, a little town called Ferndale. Amazing place. If you ever get a chance to go see it, amazing place. I just shot a show about it, a one-hour show on Food Network, Guy's hometown. Uh, Flavor Town to Ferndale. That's the name of the town. Oh, wow. but, um, so I go up to this town. My parents both work. They had a small business, a uh, uh, Western clothing store, and uh, both really hardworking people, both good cooks. And in 1976, I was eating sushi. And spinach pasta. And I mean, it's really advanced in food at that, at that age or my age. So long story short, uh, the deal in my family was whoever cooked got to make a decision what we were eating. And I, I mean, I was eating at my friend's house and they were having things like meatloaf and meatballs and so forth. And we weren't having that. We were having steamed salmon and bulgur and, and, you know, broccoli and asparagus. I mean, it was just very different world of food in my house.
0: So they're, I so they're really your first fun. teachers then.
2: Yeah. But the thing was, is I, I, I knew I had this craving. It's so funny because my craving then was meat and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm back to where my parents started me as a kid. I'm a huge vegetable grains fan and raw food fan. And so anyhow, so I, I started cooking and, and I remember the day I cooked my first dish, about nine, and I cooked a steak. Nine years old. Nine years old. Wow. But my parents worked. So I knew that if I could do something to help the family, That it would be a really cool thing to do. So I cooked a steak and all I knew was butter and soy sauce. I mean, those are just two things I love. And I cooked the steak and I put it there and my parents sit down and they were so amazed that I had made dinner. They walked in. My dad goes, what are you doing? And I go, mom said I could. And my mom looks at me and goes, well, he was complaining that we didn't eat any meat. And I said, if you, if you want some, if you want a steak, then you cook it. So I went to the store, got the steak, came home and I cooked it. My dad takes a bite of the steak and I'm like, he's going to kill me. And he looks at me and goes, might be the best steak I've ever had. Wow. Dunzo. That was it. Wait a second. If I cook, I don't have to do the dishes. If I cook, we get to eat meat. And if I cook, I make people happy. I'm like, man, this is my, this is wow. my jam. And so that became the, that was the genesis of it. And then as time went on, and I mean, I cook, Jay, I would stay home. I would fake sick from school. Uh, we got, uh, the Julia Childs or, or I don't know, it was, uh, one of the, the cookbooks. And I was just reading it. And I'm like, wait a second. They give you the answers to make this stuff? It's right here? Just follow the dire- I mean, I'm like, this is, this is awesome. And so I started cooking anything I could get my hands on. When I was about 14, uh, we had exchange students from uh, Norway. And we had an exchange student the next year from Sweden. I wanted to be an exchange student. But my high school didn't teach language until you were a junior and senior. And they only taught Spanish. So we had a friend of a friend came to Thanksgiving, and he was a wine cork salesman from France. And his name was Pierre Lachaud. And I sat next to Pierre at Thanksgiving, and I said, Pierre, shh, I want to go to France. Can you get me there? And he's looking at this. And maybe I was 13. He's like, yeah, uh, maybe I could. Have, do you speak French? I go, no. And he goes, speak French and then talk to me. So I went to my parents. and said, I want to learn to sp- speak French. My dad's okay. He says, uh, why? And I said, I want to go to France. I want to be an exchange student. He says, I'll make you a deal. If you could pass at one one year of conversational French at the junior college, then I'll let you go. So I wrote Pierre. I said, Pierre, I'm going to take French at the junior college. And if I pass, my dad will let me go to France. Pierre says, if you pass, I'll get you into a high school in a town called Chantilly. We would say Chantilly. Right. Uh, that's where the Chantilly racetrack, Chantilly Cream. Right, that's right, right. the famous area. So anyhow, I'm working this deal. I'm 14. So I'm working the deal. So I get, I get to my sophomore year in high school. I register for the class at the junior college. My mom has to drive me at lunch from high school to the junior college because I can't drive. I don't have driver's license. I go to the class. I take the French class. It's unbelievable. I pass with a beer. All I had to do was pass with a beer better. But then I got to drive the second semester. I got to drive. I pass. I can't speak a word of French when I when I pass it. <laughs> I, I just gotta take the test. And I but I understood the concept of the language and maybe out of vocabulary about five or six words. But I could pass the class. And so my parents say yes. Pierre, Pierre knows an old guy that fought with the Americans in the war. He's a principal of the high school. He says, Yes, you can come to my high school. I live in a boarding house. I go to the high school, and uh and that was it, man. And I got on that plane. You know, we talk about unbreakable. I got on that plane. I was 16. I just turned 16. I just got my driver's license. I was so excited to drive. And in France, you can't drive till you're 18. And I got on that plane and I cried. What am I doing? I'm 16. I'm leaving my mom, dad and my little sister for a year for your passion though. But I, I mean, I mean, like take off a big bite and then have to
0: do it. Right.
2: And I, but I got there
0: and you get thrown right in the deep end is what you're saying. Yeah.
2: Huge deep end. Didn't speak the language. Learned how to speak the language when I was there. I mean, I just I had a, there was a you know a line of how do you say that. Kept a note, a pad and paper. If someone would say a word to me, I'd write the word down. I'd get home at night to the to my room because I didn't live with the family. I lived in a boarding house, and I would conjugate the verb and conjugate it past tense, future, future tense, and, and 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 then I'd put it on the wall. And if it was a noun, I'd make the translation, put it on the wall, and then. That's how I learned the language. And by the time I left, I could speak at about at a fifth grade level. I could read at about a second grade level, write at about a first grade level, second grade level. But I could get through it. I mean, I could go anywhere I wanted. It's when I ate food in France. I was 16. I ate food in France. And that was it, man. I knew. I wrote my parents. I said, I know what I'm going to be. I know what I'm going to do. Came back, never finished high school, went straight into college, graduated college. Wait, early. wait, wait. How
0: do you not finish high school and go straight to college? Or GED?
2: Because I took, no. Again, Jay, it's just, it's just like you, brother. It's a little bit of the hustle. Okay. I had taken the junior college classes with the permission of the school and my parents. So I was already in the system. So I just went back to the junior college and just signed up for more classes. So the high school calls my senior year, everybody's driving to school for the senior year, you know, kind of the parade of cars going in and I just peel off and drive. And go to and go to Eureka, which is the big town where I'm from, or by my town. And the, the <laughs> counselor and the principal called my dad and said, Hey, guy didn't show up for the first day of school. And my dad's Yeah, I don't think Guy's coming back. Not coming back. What do you mean he's not coming back? Yeah, I think he's I think he's gonna go to college. He can't go to college. He doesn't have the and he's like, Well, I don't know, you have to talk to Guy about that. me. <laughs> <laughs> And by then, I was enrolled in school, had a job working as a as a flambe captain, as you know, as a tableside uh, cook at a, at a fine dining restaurant. Went on to college and Sacramento College, and then I went to UNLV, graduated UNLV, came out of there, get, got into running restaurants. That opened my first restaurant when I was twenty six. Did the restaurants uh, opened up? Uh, wait, was wait,
0: a- what was I- that first? What was that first restaurant?
2: Johnny Garlics. Okay, so up here in California, Johnny- so we came right. up to wine country. I wanted to be, I didn't want to be quite back in Ferndale, up in Northern California. I I didn't want to be in San Francisco. I didn't want to be in a big city. I wanted to raise my family in a cultural environment where we had good connection to the farms and the community. And and there were cultural, you know, uh, uh, community events and and street fairs and farmer's markets and and that kind of stuff. I wanted to be very in touch with my kids' schools. You know, I wanted to be in a big little town.
0: But but how how did you get the money to open your first restaurant?
2: Well, that's another deal, Jay. Um, so I went to college in Vegas and I bet it all on red. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I,
0: I wouldn't put it past you.
2: I went to, actually I was not a gambler, but I was the great, I was the great pawn shop because I always had money. I, I, you know, worked my butt off all through. I paid my way through college. That was a deal. I didn't want my parents paying me, paying for college. I, as soon as I became, as soon as I was independent, I'm like, you did your job. Thank you very much. And I have the best parents in the world. I love my mom and dad and couldn't say thank you enough. But I'm like, I can do this. I can do it on my own. And so I paid my way through college. And so I was very frugal with my money. But I always had money. My dad was always the thing about have money in your pocket. So people would come to me in the dorm or in the and say, hey, okay, man, I got this football bet coming up. And you want to buy a TV? I'm like, well, yeah. You know, I got 20 bucks. I'll give you. No, it's just a $200 TV. I said, well, I'll hold the TV. You win the money. You just give me back. You double my money back and we're good. Otherwise, I keep the TV. They okay. <laughs> like, got shady, Jay. Anyhow. The point was when I opened Johnny Garlicks with my buddy, or this this guy who was another manager in the in a restaurant chain that I worked with, we found a great deal on a restaurant. We tried to get a loan with the loan process was going to take too long. This was a gotta get the deal done today. I only had five thousand bucks to my name. Lori was pregnant with Hunter. We had a car with four hundred thousand miles on it, a pickup truck, and two rottweilers. I called my mom and dad. I said, I found the place. I got, I got the deal. I can't get this loan to go through and I need to make this happen. My dad goes, I guess, hang on a second. Penny, guys on the phone. He found the restaurant deal. You good? He goes, yeah, he goes, all right, we're going to mortgage the house. How much you need? Wow. So my parents are one year from retiring from their business, our home that I was raised in and my dad mortgages 50,000 bucks off it and gives and lends me 50,000. I paid him back in six months. Wow.
3: Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. L-A-S-I-K.
0: Okay, and then, well, okay, so that's, which is great. I want people to understand this, too. Every time we have a guest come on and they talk about success, it is about hustle. It's about outworking the world. That's how your dreams come true, right? You're the luckiest guy in the world when you outwork everybody in the damn room. Is that right? luck. I, right? That I luck? walked in that, I, I walked, yeah, well, I'm saying your luck comes because you're the fucking guy outworking the world. That's what I'm saying. It happens for you. Like, I walked in that giant locker room in 1993. And I'm like, all right. I'm gonna do it different than everybody else, and I'll be the last motherfucker standing here. I will outwork them, not by a little, but by a lot. And that's how that overnight success comes. That's how that quote, that luck comes. It's not luck. You're right. It's because we take matters into our own hands and outwork people or do it different. So now then you want to talk a bit about a different route. Tell people well, let let the me on the food network.
2: I want to say something about that. Cause yeah. I I wanna I wanna add to what you're saying. So under this arm, back in the day, was just this tattoo of this horseshoe. And I put that horseshoe on my arm because everybody said I was lucky. It's like guy always wins. Guy yeah you know, And I used to go around talking about how lucky I was. And an old guy who I have his tattoo on my arm, this guy named Jack LeVar. Jack LeVar was probably one of the biggest besides my dad, Jack LeVar was probably one of the biggest influences and, and we lost Jack, but not too soon because he taught me a lot. And one of the things he said to me goes, Stop, stop saying you're lucky, because it's not luck. He said you have spent your life working your ass off, educating yourself. And most importantly, you surround yourself with great people. He says, you have an army of friends, an army of colleagues, and you make things happen. Things don't happen to you. You make things happen. And that's very, and that's where you are, Jay. Mm-hmm. This isn't luck. This is determination and drive and will and focus and never say die attitude and being unbreakable and that's one of the reasons that I think you and I are so close no. is that nothing was ever given to us my parents my parents made i think the most my dad my mom and dad right. ever made in their life was $40,000 in one year
0: yeah we didn't and open doors we kicked doors down
2: that's the whole point so it's not it has nothing to do with luck what it has to do with is setting a plan what it has to do with is determination what it has so all of those words all equal getting the goal or having the success and, and luck has nothing luck has nothing to do with it. Right, so so the, I don't want people here's the thing, Jay. I don't want someone to look back at it and say, I'm unlucky. I lost my little sister twelve years ago. My dad got pancreatic cancer five years ago and then just beat liver cancer two months ago. You want to talk about luck. Right. If we were going to go into the luck category, I got bad luck. I don't play that. That's bullshit.
0: I love that dude. I love it. So you open Johnny Garlic, but then you kicked another door down. Tell us how you got onto the Food Network, because I love this fucking story. And most people don't know this.
2: Well, I read that this book. story's
0: not told enough.
2: I read that book called You Too Can Be on Television by Jay Glazer.
0: <laughs> it's one page long. <laughs> it's <one> page long. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, a, and, and, and a scratching sniff book. Stick drawing, you do <laughs> right. paid by number. Out. Yes.
2: <laughs> really well done. Forward by Michael Strahan. Um, so here's gosh, you want to talk about this. So I'm always the one that's encouraging people. I'm, I try to push people all the time to not talk about it, but to do it. And, you know, there's a great story of a guy that wants to win the lottery and, and, uh, wants to donate all the money to goodwill and to people and helping. And he's finally so distraught after five years, 10 years of trying to win the lottery that he's going to, you know, that he's going to end it all. And he says uh, they can't believe that, you know, he's prayed for so long and, and it's not happening. Sky's part and the booming voice comes down and says, could you just at least buy a lottery ticket? <laughs> you know, don't don't talk about it happening. Right. Don't think about it happening. Don't wish it was going to happen. Put it into action. And I've always been that guy. Telling my friends, I mean, I pushed more of my friends into business. I one of my really one of my best friends, uh Ariel, uh, has this salon. And I told him from day one, whenever this building comes for sale, you buy this building. And it came for sale, and he's like, How do I do this? And I said, We're gonna do it, however, we gotta do it. And he persevered to it. He bought his first big building. So I've always been that guy. Well, a show comes on the Food Network and it's called The Next Food Network Star. I don't watch TV. Quite frankly, I'd never even watched the Food Network. Not one time. I saw one five-minute clip of Rachel Ray, and I'm like, wow, look at that girl go. But I'd never seen the Food Network because I'm a chef. I own restaurants, and I don't watch TV really a lot anyways, except for uh, Fox Football. I said it before you did. Um, <laughs> but I don't watch a lot of TV. So the second season is coming, and everybody told me the first season, man, you guys should be on the show. You should be on the show. I'm like, I don't even get it. They said it's like, it's like uh, Food Network uh, American Idol. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I get pushed enough, and finally I send in a demo tape. And the demo tape is ridiculous. It's such a – I'm mocking it so bad because I don't want to do it. I mean, really, why do I want to go on TV, compete with a bunch of people? I've seen some reality TV stuff, and then all the all the bullshit, and then get kicked off. And I said, I'm successful. At that time, I had four restaurants. I was doing great. And I one day I said, okay, I push everybody else. I'm trying to set the example for my son's. Um, Ryder hadn't been born yet, and I said, "All right, I'll send the tape in." So I sent the I sent a DVD in. So I sent the DVD, in and I get picked. So I go on to the show, and I go on to it with this attitude, and kind of like, "Hey, you know what? I'll just take this positive opportunity." Never been to New York, never met Emerald. Let me just see what this is like. I show up in a leather jacket, shorts, and flip flops, middle of November in New York, snow on the ground, and I walk into a room, and everybody's buttoned up in white chef coats. I'm like, "Oh boy, we <laughs> ain't Northern California anymore." And I didn't squeeze it too tight. I just did what I did. I you know, Just who I am. Wasn't going to change. He said, jump up on that rock and look at the camera and say, I am the next Food Network star. And I go, F you. I'm not saying that. Because I know what you guys will do with that. You'll take that and put it out there. And I'm going to look like the biggest you know, jerk in the world. I said, I'm not saying any of that stuff. I said, I'm just here. You want me? Here, here's what you get. And I ended up winning. So I ended up winning the show. And I uh, had a show called Guy's Big Bite. Which did great. Now it's called Guys Ranch Kitchen. It's been running for a long time. This has been 16 years now. But uh, the next show they gave me, they gave me a pilot show, and I did the pilot, and it was called "Gotta Get It," and it was a show about kitchen equipment and gadgets. Like you pour cream and sugar in a ball that's frozen, and you kick it around the yard and makes ice cream, or you have a, a oven that's you know Bluetooth, and think 15 years ago, 16 years ago, Bluetooth talks to your phone. You can turn your oven on from you know your office. So I did the thing and the pilot, they, I did this pilot. I don't know what a pilot is. And they, I did it. And they said, uh, the pilot got picked up for 10 episodes. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to do that. like, what? I'm like, no, I, I, I I can't, I can't do that. You did the the pilot. I said, well, I don't know what doing a pilot means. I thought you got that. (laughs) I said, I think the show sucks. I said, I, 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 am not a gadget chef. I'm, I'm just a regular guy. You know, I don't, I don't have a. Avocado slicer when you peel it, kind of thing. I'm, I just do it the way we're supposed to do it. So then, the president of that production company calls me, rips me. Says, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. Then the, finally, the president of the Food Network calls me. Brooke Johnson calls me. She says, "You're turning down a primetime show. Why did you apply for our show?" I said, "Because my, because I had to do it to prove that I could do it." She says, "So, so you don't want to be a food network star?" I said, "I would love to do a show, but if the show's got to resonate with me.
0: I, I can't, I'm not
2: going to fake this. I'm not an actor." She says, you know, you could be losing your whole future with food. I said, I apologize. I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. I'm not. Which authenticity is huge to me. And so <laughs> that was it, man. Everybody was pissed. And I didn't have an agent at the time. And But everybody around me was like, whoa, you crazy? And then they came back six months later and said, okay, we're going to give you one more try. We have a show called Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I said, That's, that sounds like me. Dives? I'm down. And that's what started it.
0: Wow. Did Could you ever imagined? Like when, when at one point did you realize like, Oh my God, my life has changed.
2: When I was in Dallas for Ritz crackers, standing on the Fox stage with this bulldog at, that's working me over faster, quicker, funnier, <laughs> wittier than me. Uh, I went, wow, man, I'm actually going somewhere with this stuff. I, I don't know, Jay. It, it's, it's been. When I look at the things that, you know, I did an event the other day or a couple of months ago with Tim McGraw. Love Tim McGraw. Great guy. And we did a fundraiser raising money for veterans, active military and first responders. I did a food and wine side of things and an auction. Tim did a, a concert. We only did it for 500 people. And then we had a celebrity softball tournament the next day. Just a small group of people. We raised over a million dollars. But more importantly, we raised a ton of awareness. And as you know, because you work with veterans a ton mm-hmm. and, and and you know what is needed inside of this. It's just it's if the world could really comprehend what veterans go through, they would be mm-hmm. they would stop in their tracks and say, wait a right. second.
0: I want you to go back to Donner's Drive Dodge. At what point when you're doing that show, you realize, oh, my God, I'm not just the guy from Johnny
3: Garlicks anymore. Like, oh, my God, shit has changed.
1: LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com.
2: None of it really hit me right between the eyes, like really got me, uh, doing Make-A-Wish Foundation, which was probably my favorite thing that I've ever done with my career, working with kids that are terminally ill, having my sister, lost my sister to cancer. That was something like when these kids could go do anything, they could go anywhere. They could meet anybody they want. I would, uh, you would assume I'm surprised how many celebrities won't participate in Make-A-Wish that still blows my mind. But for me, it was like, they want to be with me. They want, so, you know. So these kids would come to Triple D, and I'd spend. So that was probably one of the big like wow moments. Like that's, you know. But I'll be honest with you, and this I not to sound Hollywoody, but when I got my star in Hollywood, yeah. I was there. Restaurants. I, I had restaurants right around the corner from Hollywood Boulevard and from where all the stars are. And I remember walking by them, going to the bank. When that happened, my dad had just beat pancreatic cancer. Matthew McConaughey came and spoke on my behalf. Hunter spoke on my behalf. Bunch of my friends and fans were there. That was the moment I kind of went, unless they rip up the sidewalks in Hollywood, my grandkids, grandkids will see that name. And it was that, and people like, is this a dream come true? I said, I'm a, I'm a hippie kid from Ferndale. Okay. I never even a million years anticipated that that would happen.
0: That morning, folks. We talk about, you know, I've talked a lot on this show about loyalty. I knew how important this was to guy. Guy knows this now. I had a back surgery that morning and I scheduled it for 6 a.m. So, so he you know, is a procedure so I can get to the star to be there for my brother. Right. And I was all kills. sorts of propofol <laughs> out. Probably had more fun than anybody, <laughs> but I was there for you. On your big day, and that's what uh, you, I want people you to, to understand deliver. that loyalty is a dying art and it's beautiful, and that's what we need to do. And man, to see you up there that day with again, I was a little hazy from the anesthesia, but I'm sitting up there too, I'm going, Oh my god, Matthew McConaughey's introducing him and like look what he's become. But but the difference is from the day I met you to now, you've never changed. The authenticity has stayed the same. And that's where people you again, I think they looked at us a certain way, these fucking crazy guys, who were these guys? But we've never changed. So the authenticity is what our equity really is.
2: just touched on something, Jay, that I think we have to flex on more often. And I don't know why that's my word these days. Lean into, flex on. We always assume that people know how much we love them and how much we respect them and how much we honor them and how much we would do for them. And unfortunately, we have this perception in our mind that we don't often explain or share or lean into as we need to. And you did that day. I mean, you do all the time. Jay Jay doesn't send me messages. You guys, Uh he doesn't send me text messages. He sends me recordings, which are great. I mean, because you really can get the sense, you can get the inflection, you can get the monitor. you can get the, all the different modulation and, and the dramatic pause and the whole thing. I, I think they're way better than a text message.
0: And the one I don't hear from you a while I send them to you, just to make sure, because I know you're so busy that your head's on straight.
2: Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what I do. Of. But the thing is, is I think, and that's a great thing. It's it's part of your book, Jay, which I've shared your book with so many people. And it's so interesting because I have, you gave me like 10 books and I have them in my office and I think I'm down to like two because it'll be every once in a while when someone will be here and we'll be talking and they'll kind of be giving me some of this because I'm, you know, one of the older guys in the in my group and someone will be talking about this. Yeah, my cousin's going through this thing. and go, you know what? I got this buddy. You know who Jay Glazer is? He said, he wrote this book. And he does this program with these veterans. I said, you got to take this book. And they're like, it's your copy. I'm like, it's my only copy.
0: Which is also called Unbreakable, by the way, right?
2: It's my only copy, but go ahead and take it. And I've had more response from doing that with people. But the point is, lean in right. and, and share that message. So I'm sharing the message with a great friend who's helping a cousin or one of my great friends who needs help. And uh, we have so much power. We don't. Exercise our power as friends and family. I think as often as we need to. We're so busy, and there's social media, and there's all the blah blah blah, blah, blah all the stuff going on, and we really do have the power to move the pendulum of energy and spirit and mental health yes. and so forth. More than we know we do, or more than we exercise that we do,
0: yeah, and that's the whole thing with you know mental health because of social media, we all kind of think our lives suck. we're all comparing ourselves to somebody else, we're all looking down at our phones constantly, and we're losing that connection. so by me talking about this and giving it words and showing other people, man, I struggle, I'm at the top of my game, and I struggle now just as much as I ever have. Maybe a little less now. I've, I've evolved because now I understand how to open up to people more and to show my vulnerability more, knowing that there's strength in that knowing I can call a guy Fieri when I'm struggling, and that man, I got people there for me, and I don't have to suffer alone anymore and suffer in silence. is huge, and that's what our that's what our jobs are. That's what we need to change. That's the thing that I think we have
2: to get over. And social media is honestly there's really positive aspects of it. It's awful. But then there's really negative aspects of it, and what I always try to remind people of is, you have to do things if you want your car to run great. You have to do things to your car. If you want your, if you want, if you want to continue the the life of your car, you got to wash it so it doesn't rust. You know, you wash and wax it. Got to change the oil so it runs properly. Got to change the brakes, change the tires. You got to clean it. You got to give it some love. You got to take care of it if you want it to perform. Well, we don't think they got to do the same thing with the, with the brain and the body. Right. We need to exercise. And I'm not saying everybody has to be as ripped as Jay. We have to eat properly. You know, we don't, thanks for the random flex, Jay, right in the middle, <laughs> just a random flex. Okay. But my, my 17 year old son Ryder, who's a junior in high school and we're talking about, it, he says, you know, I really want to get ready for my senior year and playing ball. And I said, then let's get focused on what you're eating. I said, because it's like me putting bad gas in the car. Okay. So we need to exercise, even if it's just getting out walking. Get out of the house. Mm-hmm. We need to eat properly and eat in in proper increments at proper times. We need to have the discipline of of communication. We need to step outside of our comfort zone of just sitting in the house, watching TV or playing on social media, and make sure that we have Human contact and interaction. There's all these little simple principles. Basically it's all the stuff they taught you in kindergarten. Yeah. And take care of yourself, feel good about yourself, get your hair cut, shave, wear clean clothes. I mean, do these things that add to your self value. And I just look at this all the time when I see someone spiraling or getting, and I have a good friend of mine who I'll watch him starting to dip and I'll catch him and I'm like, hold up. What, what is up? Ah, uh, and I know what that ah uh, means. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go right to the beginning. Have you been going to the gym? No. Okay, well, let's go right now. You and me. It's three in the afternoon. And I had already worked out. Like, let's just go. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a hike.
0: That's a great pound.
2: Get positive endorphins going. Don't sit there and talk to them about it. Right. You know, what have you been eating? Ah, uh, da no, 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 Let's go store. Okay? This is how you make farro. Farro, chicken breast, you know, some green beans. Eat this, quit eating this sugar laden shit that sends you on these spikes that drops you down into these, the sugar that's in food, processed foods, probably the biggest headache we're giving ourselves, but these things like energy drinks and so forth, I mean, in moderation when things are right, but otherwise what we're doing is we're putting these chemicals in our body or people putting chemicals in their body that's messing with their head and... If you can think about the hangover that you get from alcohol coming down from that and how discombobulated you feel, the sugar hangover, sugar's the biggest drug in the world.
0: Right, yeah. So, all right, before I let you go here, two quick things. One, you know, I'm having you on here Super Bowl week as my guest because that's when you and I met at the Super Bowl. But, man, you have kind of, you know, carved your own niche here at the Super Bowl. Tell us where you got going this week. Well,
2: I'm going to be carrying Jay's bags Mm -hmm. and, of course, making sure that he's doing good.
0: Spotting me at the gym.
2: And, again, yeah, following you to the gym. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I just stand there and make sure that I keep Jay with a granola bar and, you know, just, <laughs> um No, so –
0: me down. I, I love
2: the Super Bowl. I love sporting events, and I love the crescendo. I went to Wimbledon one time. Amazing. I went to the Olympics one time. Amazing. I want to go to World Cup. I go to NBA All-Stars, one of the greatest sporting events in the world. But the Super Bowl – Ain't nothing like it. It is – it's the big dance. It's the everything in sports. So for years, so I was beyond thrilled when I got to go to my first Super Bowl, go to every Super Bowl uh that I have since I've since I've had the opportunity. Uh, my kids love going. But this year, so every year I've gone and I've done a I've, for the last five years, I've done this great tailgate program. And I've been talking to people, and I'm like, I want to take it to the next level. And you know I'm about the people and trying to make fun shit happen. And so I got with a group called Medium Rare. And we've done some amazing projects together. We did a, pro- a project together uh, last year called Restaurant Reboot, where we raised a bunch of money and gave away scholarships to people to get into the restaurant industry, $25,000 scholarships to help people because we need industry professionals. We need people growing inside of our industry to keep the restaurant business going. Just a really, and it was a televised thing that we did. We had all chefs and industry professionals in talking about rebuilding the industries right after the pandemic. So the the group's called medium rare and we're doing a tailgate. I said, I want to do a tailgate. And said, okay, what kind of tailgate? I said, I want to do a tailgate for 10,000 people. They go, what? I said, when you go to the Super Bowl, you have the NFL experience, which is awesome, private parties, which most people can't go to. And then you go to the Super Bowl. I said the reason we tailgate as football fans is it's the camaraderie of hanging around the other fans. It's the warm up to the big game, Right. and that's what as a Raider going to the pregame, going to the you know sitting in the parking lot. And we would leave Northern California to get to the Raider Stadium. We'd leave here at five in the morning to get down to get a good spot. That was the day. It was so much fun. But you can't tailgate at the at the Super Bowl because most people are from out of town, don't have the tailgate stuff. Parking's you know terrible. So I said, let's do this. So they said, okay, great. So we're doing an event. We have Diplo, great buddy of mine, Low Cash, Christopher Pressler, great buddies of mine. They're going to perform. We got all kinds of food trucks, triple D trucks, and great Arizona restaurants and chefs coming in. It's free for ten thousand people. People come. Ten thousand people. They buy for the food trucks. Buy for the beer. Cash App is one of the sponsors. They're giving away my trash can nachos. Anybody that has Cash App on their phone, they're giving them free trash can nachos. There's games to be played, prizes to be won, free entertainment. Love it. It's right across the street from the Super Bowl. And we raised a bunch of money to put it on. And people like, why would you do this? I'm like, because it's the greatest. It's it's American pastime. It's des- Everybody deserves to be able to celebrate the Super Bowl, whether or not you can buy a ticket or not. They're going to get the feeling, the energy, the, the you know, the electricity that goes on with Super Bowl. Now, we do have a VIP section over there where people uh, buy right, tickets right. and do that whole thing. But the deal was is when you got the opportunity and you got the power of the people and you got these businesses that want to be involved, why not flex on it? Love it. Get that shot. Give give something. So that, that was the idea. So 1130 to 430 right before the Super Bowl, and it's going to be awesome. And the, other,
0: the other thing I want you to promote real quick, it's my favorite show in the all season is Tournament of Champions. When's that air next? Let me tell
2: you. I built Tournament of Champions again on the same premise of why you do what you do to to help people. Yep. I've got all these amazing chef friends that have all this talent.
0: It is my favorite show. My favorite show a platform for them to kick ass on.
2: So I built Tournament of Champions. Took me a long time to get the network to understand it. Like not everybody's into sports. I go, right. yeah, but they're into cooking sports, and this is what these are. These are co- these are there's your culinary athletes. February nineteenth, we're going to kick ass and take names. Season four. And I promise you, it's gonna blow your mind. The stuff that comes the what's the chefs that are competing
0: are just next level. Incredible. And then <laughs> it, I was with you the we and we can't tell the story unfortunately, but I brought Sean McVeda, Guy's little house over there while he was filming Tournament of Champions one night, and uh Guy knew a scoop before anybody else is we uh we we got into the booze a little bit there and uh he got, he got some, he became the, the the best insider in America that night, but that's another story that we'll never be able to tell. <laughs>
2: it, it, we won't, but I'll tell you what, I have such, I'm not a Ram. I'm not a Ram. I'm a Rams fan because of McVay, but I'll tell you something. What a neat guy. And Jay, you've introduced me. I gotta, I gotta say this about you. You are magnetic and the way you take your time and your energy and the way you share with other people I I hope you've explained sometime on this podcast about your son. It's probably when I try to explain who you are to people, because everybody thinks they know who you are. People magazine did a thing with me and they said, you know, I'm not the guy, you know, or you think, you know, Right. if anybody gets to really ever hear your story of who you are and what, and what you've done as a dad, it is the most tear jerking drop you down. You, you, you look at yourself after you hear the Jay Glazer story and you go, are you I appreciate that. It's really amazing. So hopefully, and
0: I, and I haven't told people don't know that I adopted my son. I met him when he was two and adopted him, uh, years later. And yeah, he's, uh, but mad.
2: you're the sole person in his life and you're not his biological father. And you're not, I mean, I don't want to give right. the whole story, but well, well, right, please, right. at the, at the, at the season <laughs> of your podcast, please share that with people because really, man, uh, where you dug that out of and appreciate that appreciate that inside of yourself is just another story.
0: Sometimes in life, you just got to do the right thing. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you on for a second episode at some point here, because that's just what we're going to do. Cause I haven't asked you in your unbreakable moment. We haven't gotten into the other deep stuff that we want to get into Anytime, somewhere along the lines. We're going to have episode two here. Good.
2: Anytime, anywhere. Uh, we're down and, uh, I love you. And I I love you,
3: my brother. I hope to
2: see you next weekend,
3: man.
0: I always appreciate you walking this walk with me, my friend. Thank you.
2: Love and respect buddy.
3: This is Amy Brown from 4 Things with Amy Brown.
1: Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually